0: He owns it all. First Chronicles 29, 10 through 15. He owns it all. We are getting ready to celebrate um, victory despite how we feel. I was looking over the history of this church and I went back and looked at some of the celebrations. We were down on the hill last week and news came to me that one of our church members had said, they don't know what in the world we went down there on that hill and what we got out of worshiping in the woods. Anybody go to the woods last week? Let the church know what you got out of it. Something, something, that's good. I'm glad you got something out of it because that's what keeps the church going. To to celebrate and have meaningful services that mean different things to different people. And I'm finding out we have a great diversity in our church. We have people like myself who see mission work all around the globe. We have some who are highly involved in community changes. We have others who focus in lots of different ministries, peaceful peacemakers. We have discipleship people. We have worship people. We have a lot of diversities. Aren't we glad that we aren't all alike? Aren't we glad that we don't do the same thing? It's good to have a preference of a piano, then a preference for a guitar, and then put them all together. So I'll tell you little stories I get in this new day dawning. It was in a little creek down at Merle's Inn that my dad had taught me as a youngster how to make a flounder rig. And he used a piece of lead about that long. It was an a ounce sinker and had an eye on each end of it. And it drug the sand, and we come back about eight inches. I know this is boring some of you, but stay awake. Don't cut the lights off, man. They go to sleep. Oh, okay. You put a hook about eight inches, and then you went about 12 inches, and you put the second hook. We fish with that rig for most of our lives. And then I started working with the guy at the paper mill, and he was a flounder fisherman. And I went fishing with him one day, and he used a different rig than my daddy used. Called the Carolina Special. It had two three way hooks. It had a different hook in it. It was a 42R, but it had a different section on it, Bobby. And I twisted a little bit when I put it on the line. I won't ever forget when I introduced Daddy to that flounder rig. I don't need to use that rig. This is what they've always bit. We don't need to make any changes in this boat. I felt about that high. I had insulted my dad for suggesting a change. That was at 7 o'clock one morning at the old Hughes Landing. At 2.30 in the afternoon, I had put six flounder in the boat. He had put one. He said, you got another one of them rigs? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to do it the same way all your life and sing the same song or sing it the same way. God has some creativity in us that we can come alive and sometimes even catch more fish. Amen. If we just listen to the Holy Spirit and we get a creative idea over here, don't be afraid to change when the Holy Spirit may be introducing you to more kingdom work. That might be what we're afraid of, that we're going to have to go to work. And going to work is about giving. Some of you say, oh, you're not going to be talking about money a little bit. But the next eight weeks, we're going to talk about giving, starting with you, that you're saved and you're serving and you're sanctified filled with the Holy Spirit, that you want to make a difference. I don't expect these sermons to change your facial expressions toward me, but I wish they would change our hearts toward Him. Amen? No, you don't have to change facial expressions at all. That's not what preaching is about. It's changing hearts. It's a transformation of character. It's the idea that, wait a minute, maybe I can make this little adjustment and maybe I can rig this up differently. Maybe, uh, you're going to like this. Maybe people could get saved with 25-minute sermons rather than 45. And the house comes down. Te- I can tell I'm on a different page than y'all are, but I'm okay with that. Okay? Scripture, 1 Chronicles 29. I still fish with daddy's rig sometimes because I honor him. And it still catches flounder. 1 Chronicles 29, verse 9. Then the people rejoiced, gozare. (laughs) Gozare, that's Spanish, gozare. They rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart. Some of you folks in this church are the most loyal Christians I've ever met in my life. Only been in three churches. Some of y'all are the most loyal Christians, not church members. Uh, If you have visiting with us, I want to tell you something. This pastor will never make you believe this is his church. I won't put my name on the sign. I'm not obnoxious. This ain't my church. But some of y'all will let everybody who knows come in here. This is your church. And if they do things your way, they'll stay. Uh-uh. This ain't pastor's church. This is God's church. This is God's church. And we need to make our minds up that that's where the church grows. They had offered willingly with a loyal heart. And King David, even the king rejoiced. The pastor, chief pastor rejoiced. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. That's a long time, isn't it? To see the flounder fishing outlast the rig. And worshiping God will outlast our methodology. Come on, folks. That road will be out here when we're gone. It'll still probably be Highway 34. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. They'll still be preaching Jesus when this pastor's gone. This is foreverness. If we can ever get connected to foreverness, yours, O Lord, in verse 11, is the greatness. Yours is the greatness. Yours is the the power. Yours is the glory and the victory and the majesty. Little is much when he's in it. For all that is in heaven and the earth is yours. I've never seen the deed for that little piece of property I live on. I don't need to see it because I know who owns it. Why would you want to go around celebrating the number of deeds you got in the bank and how much you own? You don't own anything. You don't own anything. You're living to die and dying to live. You don't own a thing. If we could ever get this concept down pat, We would all be tithers. We would all be witnessing, and we would all get on fire if we ever understand that he owns it all anyway. His greatness, both riches, pardon me, for all that is in heaven and earth is yours, and you are exalted as head over all. And he better be head over our church, amen? Every Sunday school class, every every ministry we do, every mission we set out on, Verse 12 says, both riches and honor come from you, and you reign, R-E-I-G-N. That is not moisture if you don't have your Bible. He's not talking about rain and moisture. He's talking about kingdom dominion. You reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Now, God give us some now moments. Notice the first verse was a then. In verse 9, now we have a now moment. Maybe you'll have a now moment today. Now, therefore, O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? It was a surprise to David. For all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. For all our aliens and pilgrims before you, and where all our fathers, our days on earth are a shadow and without hope. Go back to when I started. I've looked at some of the history, the last 20 years, and even some of the early formation. Joanne Bryant, don't give up on us. Maybe one day we will have a little history box where we can put all this together. Don't give up on that prayer and dream. It's in your pastor's heart anyway. Maybe that's how I'll spend the next four or five of my years here, helping some of us collect where we've come from and where we're going. But I look back through some of the notes, and there were highlights of a couple of large offerings I mean, less than $100,000, some as, as much as $100,000. And if you've got that kind of pen writing ability today, have at it. Go fight. We'll see. Go fight. Go for it. And we saw some rises, and uh, we took up sixty-some thousand dollars one time. At Oh, woo woo woo. I just want to remind us of where we've come from. As we walked around this campus yesterday, we had a Hispanic family come in and had a wedding, and I didn't know anyone there except the pastor and his wife. And I watched a couple hundred people use that building over there and just brag on that church building over there. Some people in here get offended when we use the word chapel. Pray for them. And if we don't need to use that word, let's pray about taking it out of the vocabulary. We can call it a church. Won't bother me if we never use the word again. But anyway, in that building over there, whatever you want to call it, we were in that building. And it was beautiful. And I sat there as a non-church member in my church and watch people happy in that building. They, they they don't have a history there. But they were like, man, this is a beautiful building. And I didn't tell them I was the pastor. I said, it is a nice building. You know this family? I said, oh, yeah, I, I know. It. I didn't let them know I was the pastor. I had no need to let. Why would I want to let somebody like that know I'm the pastor? I was just watching and observing. Then I've watched our church grow from space where this building, I looked at some old pictures where this framework was out here and the snow was on the ground. We had a dedication service. And I, and I remember some times when I was told by the powers to be, don't, don't, don't cash your check this week. We need to move some money around. I said, okay, I'll hold on to it. I've done that several times in the past, 10, 12 years ago. I remember recently we jumped into ministries where we spread with peaceful peacemakers and community changers in Nicaragua Mission. We've, we've become a, a global type church. Somehow, somehow we've caught this wind and this vision that God wants a church on Highway 34. And I experienced that yesterday, uh, visiting tables in here and telling people where the restrooms were. And one lady said, do you work here? I said, no, I'm the hospitality person. She said, really, what do you know about this church? I said, very little. Because it wasn't my church. It was a building. My church was at home. Or they were fishing or doing something else. This was somebody else's church. So I was telling the truth. And then at the end, the lady said, wait a minute. You, you sang from my grandmother. You were at her bed when she died. Your name is Pastor Frankie Tanner. I said, you are right. She said, you are the pastor of this church. I said, I am today. I said, it's good to be here. And I walked out of that door and walked to my house feeling a joy I had never felt before about this many or more people enjoying our building and grounds and having church when this church wasn't here. And God welled up within me the excitement of knowing that if you do what he tells you to do and you get in a relationship with him the way he wants you to, he will show you miracle after miracle after miracle with ministry and people and ain't nothing too big for God. Amen. So we want to start a series this morning, a little two-point sermon, believe it or not, out of that scripture on God and man. Well, let's say God and humanity. Don't want you to misunderstand man for being female or male. When I use that term, it's generic. Creation. That's, that's the two points I want to make. But I want to say that in 20 years, I believe I have the authority to say that we have people in our church and in our community who come constantly who don't understand the blessing that they're missing by not giving. They're not giving of themselves and giving of their finances and they're steady, aching and complaining. They aren't even trying to make a difference. So I want to put a platform down. If you're here today and you want your life to change, not only financially, but physically and spiritually and mentally and emotionally, get right to know he owns it all. Every bit of it belongs to him and let go of it. Maybe in your mind you say he owns it all, but let go of it. Release it to him. Stan said, you need some medicine this morning. Maybe I do. Maybe I do need medicine. I'm at the point where I anoint my rod and reels before I go fishing. I anointed these shoes this morning. My wife bought them for my birthday. They come from Ace Hardware. Schofields, I ain't going to tell you how much they cost. You can go check the price out. That's the most comfortable shoe I was wearing. She said, I thought you were in love with those old shoes. They were the most comfortable. I put this one on yesterday, and I said, gosh, it's called a SAS, S-A-S. This is the most comfortable shoe I have ever put on in my life. And I'm saying, well, I thought the old ones were comfortable. The rig, the rig, don't ever try anything new. Don't ever have the risk of faith that he'll pull us out of this ditch. Don't ever believe that God could send another love offering to this church that would amount or match or even more than he's done before. Don't ever get to the place where you say, I'm on my knees because you own it all. Every bit of it belongs to you. Preacher, we don't like that kind of preaching. We're Southern Baptists. I ain't talking about Southern Baptists. I'm talking about a platform of faith where we get to a place where everything we've got, everything we rent, everything we do is owned by the master. Somebody's out there. Overview. Our focus will change today because I believe Holy Spirit is leading us to gain a new and fresh understanding of Giving. Most Christians know the reason we give is because God gave first. He's the lightning and we're the thunder. And I believe He shocked a lot of us and we never responded yet. He's the lightning and we're the thunder. When we see his light and we get moved by him, somebody needs to make some noise in the offering plate and into life and into the hospital, into the community. Somebody needs to move toward missions and giving, evangelism and discipleship. Today, we're going to start with the ownership principle. Don't want to hurt your feelings, but it's easy to tell who owns you. And I'm not going to ask you to go through this. Some churches do. There's some churches close by that really hurt some folks. Pulling their financial records and all that stuff. Man, that's your business. But it's also God's business. Amen. It ain't my business to snoop around you and see what you do and I'm not going to do that as your pastor but I want to share something that I know this is a principle and if you say it's not I want you to see me after the worship service today we're going to start with the ownership principle don't want to hurt your feelings but it's easy to tell who owns you especially with adults two things pop up checkbook calendar checkbook calendar you can lay your checkbook on the altar right now and look at it for the last month and you can tell who your God is you can look at it for six months. You can tell who your God is. You, you will be able to tell who your God is when you take your checkbook or your finance, whether you deal by cash, cards, or whatever. All you got to do is get your financial record and look at it, and you'll be able to tell who your God is. And another thing is watch your calendar. Look at your calendar. How much time have you spent with God? How much of your time have you spent in the Word? And I'm not saying how much time have you come to church because some churches may not be preaching the gospel. Some churches may not be giving food. But look at your calendar and go through it. How much personal time, devotional time, how much corporate time, how much prayer time, how much time on your calendar... Do you spend and that could be at a ball game praying with your kids it could be praying with them before you leave but look at your calendar and find out my checkbook and my calendar how does it balance up with who God is could people tell he owns it all through my life very very important money and time each of us in this room young and old make investments and then our hearts follow I want to list a few clothes Shoes, fishing, ball games, flowering, gardening, sewing, tablets, computers, songs, vacations, trips, Facebook, food. Write it down. You purchase it and then your heart follows. You purchase it and then your heart follows. What did Jesus say? where your treasure is, there your heart is. Your heart's going to follow your treasure. This is where I'm putting my money. I ain't putting my money over here. I don't believe in that ministry. I don't believe in doing this. So your heart is somewhere. Your your heart is following your treasure. So wherever your treasure is, your heart's following that. That, That's that's from the scripture and you can tell who or what owns you. A little girl came out of church the other day, and that's probably why I did this drama that wasn't on the schedule this morning. She came in our church. She's never been here before. That was one of her first times. And she said, when are they going to take up the offering? We hadn't even started church. She said, I got $2 I need to give to Jesus. I said, wow. I said, we taking it up now. And I put the plate under her hand. And I said, go sit down. We got that $2. Not me. We. We got that $2. But that little girl's attitude was right. It was like she came to church having something to give. She came and brought something. What did you bring? Well, you came today. What, what did you bring that you give to him? What did you bring that you're gonna release and let it go because you don't need to see it again? It belongs to him already. Wow! What a way to train our youth to come to church. That's the way I was trained. Shoes on the floor, pants side the shoes, Bible side the shoes, and the offering on top of the Bible. I was trained that way. Somehow in that home I grew up in, Emily in Montana, put the clothes out, put the shoes down, you put your Bible down and you put the money on top of the Bible. You take your offering, you start priming the pump when they're little and when they grow up, they, they, it catches and they start growing and more and more and more, they start giving and they start lining up with scripture and pretty soon you can build a church because somebody's giving. That's where it is, folks. If you're training small children, teach them those financial lessons, teach them, teach them those physical lessons the calendar, and the checkbook. Who cares what songs are sing or who preaches, man? Where's the offering plate? Doesn't matter that Pastor Frank is preaching today. Could have been Matt. Could have been somebody else of your choice. Doesn't matter what we sing. Where's the offering plate? And not just for you. I mean, I, I like our offering plates. they in honor and dedication of one of our former pastors who I love dearly. But there's nothing special about them. What's special is in your heart? How ironic that the first of the giving sermons start on my birthday, April the 12th, 2015. 65 years old, in lights. Look. Lisa, you stay after church. I'm gonna hug your name. You like this, don't you? Sixty five years old. I have been a giving Christian for over fifty years. I got saved at around nine, eight or nine. And over fifty years I've been giving. (coughs) Question. Can you be a Christian without giving? Can you be a saved person without serving? Hopefully these sermons will help us out with concerns like this. I believe you will discover during the next few months why people who call themselves believers are not happy. They're not joyful. Look around you. I don't know how much joy you experience in this room. I experience some, but I don't sense a lot of joy sometimes. I sense sometimes a sadness, a gloomy, gloomy kind of, I guess it's worship. Maybe that's what worship's all about. I don't know. But I'm asking myself and I'm asking you this kind of stuff. So I want to talk about priorities. I celebrate my birthday on April the 12th each year. I celebrate Jesus's on the 25th. My birthday is about me. If you don't believe it, ask my wife. <laughs> but she helps follow me in that area tremendously. My birthday is about me, material things and receiving stuff. My birthday is about temporal things, the American egocentric stuff. Jesus's birthday is about giving. Jesus' birthday is about eternal stuff and not temporal. Jesus' birthday about things that last forever. Thus, the reason for honoring Annie Armstrong on my birthday an effort on my part to set a better example for investing in the eternal rather than the temporal. Our scripture has just told us a couple of things about God and a couple of things about us. So listen up. Point number one. A couple of things we can know about God. He started it. I didn't. He started all this. I didn't. Two things I know for sure, and I mentioned this Wednesday. Two things I can hang my hat on. You too. There is a God and I'm not him. There is a God and I'm not him. He started it. He, he started this whole process. You know, if, if you look it down, he was the originator. Genesis 1-1. If you want to go to that, you can look it up. Genesis 1-1, he, 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 is, he is the originator. He, he put all of this together with his creativity. He, he made it where we would have different languages, different colors of skin, despite how some people interpret Scripture. The designer, I believe he's done a good job. Don't you? I don't believe we can improve on what he started. Now, we messed it up, didn't we? We messed it up, even in the Garden of Eden, sin, Adam. We messed it up. But he started all this, so we need to give him honor for being the starter. He was a, 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 the one who was the uh, originator. And number two in our scripture today, he, he's the owner. I have come to grips with peace in my life when I can give this church to God. If I get frustrated with something, and maybe this will help you at work, at home, well, God, you've tolerated it for 20 years. Why should I get upset about it? I really think we need to understand that principle when we start thinking about He's the one that started it. He, he's, he's the originator. He, he put all this in motion. And number two, he's the owner. First Chronicles 29, 11, we read it. It's good to know who owns the farm, isn't it? It's good to know who owns the farm. Sometimes when I'm walking across the lawn and there's paper on the trash that someone left or it blew out of a truck like mine where a trash can wasn't covered, sometimes I'm tempted to go around and put it back. He's the owner. Friday, I was in a honey hole. That's a fishing term for a hot spot. And I was catching fish left and right, both sides of the boat. The left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. I was just fishing for fish. And I measured one on my rule, and um, it was 11 and three-quarter. And um, I put him in the cooler, knowing I had done wrong. I said, ain't no game warden going to be out here 20-mile-an-hour wind. Not another boat out here in the end, white caps coming upside my boat. I got it made in the shade. Ain't nobody going to catch me. Boy, in about a minute. I heard that little flounder jump, and I felt a spirit inside of my heart throw him back. I trained the DNR people. You love this sport. You want your boys to keep catching fish. A tear started rolling down my cheek. I took that little fish and put him in the water. He was cold. I tapped him on the back. I said, adios, amigo boy, zoom, he was gone. He didn't need to pan. And immediately, almost instantly, the rod on the left-hand side went pow. And I measured him out to be 17 inches long, the largest one. That may mean nothing to you, but to me it was saying, son, I don't care how old you get. Honor the law of the land. Abide by the rules. You might not like them. You might not understand them. But I own it all. I own it all. That, that's all he's telling us. And your pastor will be the first one to say, the flesh can get in me and I can say, why this and why that? He owns it all. And we need to set good example and talk about confessing our sin from the pulpit about things we almost did wrong because it was in the flesh. He owns it all. He started it. He's originated. He owns it all. And the overseer, first chronicles twenty we're not going to read that again he is the overseer he he is the head of the church we get in these discussions all the time i hear people outside of our church well is this family still running your church is this family still running your church i hear this and i hear that and they come up here at the restaurant and tell us this and on the sidewalk they tell us this i want to tell you the overseer is jesus And you might think you're the overseer, and you might think somehow publicly or non-publicly you control stuff, but Jesus is still the overseer of our church. And as long as we honor him as the head of the church, he will bless this church through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the things that we do together. So pray that we can get that together, that somehow God originates. God is the one who owns it all. He's the one in charge. Now, here's the problem, church. Most Christians don't understand this principle because they still think they are in control. I want to share a sad story with you. It might not be sad to you. It might be why you're living, but it's sad to me. It was my own family, and there was a church situation about the music, and it got to a place where probably while we sang doxology today, I asked the music team to sing it. I wanted to sing it. I wanted to hear it. I hadn't heard it in a long time. They said, yeah. And if you want to hear a song, write it down, give it to the pastor, give it to one of us, and we'll work it in. I promise you. So they honored my request on my birthday to sing Doxology. And I did it on purpose because I wanted to tell you this story. A man who I called uncle got upset with a music director in the church. And he said, when we can sing Doxology? He said, well, I don't have it on the calendar this month. He said, well, you better put it back on because I'm pulling back my tithe and I'm going to stop coming. Well, he didn't go see him and talk to him. He got upset. And he said, well, do what you want to do. They couldn't work through it. They couldn't see eye to eye. And when he died, I was out of the country. They called and wanted me to help do the funeral. I couldn't do it. I was gone. I don't think I would have done it anyway because I knew this story. And that family suffered through and let their church suffer through because they never got to a point where God owns it all anyway. I want to be in control. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to do it my way. Come blankety-blank or high water, using nautical terms, don't be like that. I am encouraging you to realize that God owns it all. And we need to get in that train of thought that he will bless because he owns it, not because we have a certain sermon or a series. And I pray that this sermon series is in line with God this is what he wants for his church, the series on giving. And if you feel like you got to be in charge and in control, back up a little bit. Pray about yourself and pray about me. And, and let's don't have that attitude. Let's work together. Let's, let's um, pray together. Let's minister together. And I feel like we're doing a good job at that. Number two, second point of the giving series, number two. Three things we can know about us. Those were three things about God. He started it. He's the originator, owner, and the overseer. We are sharecroppers. You know what a sharecropper is? Go sit down. It's not your fault that you come out of Spartanburg and went to Texas and never grew up on the back of a farm. I'm not going to blame you for that, but I want to teach you something. In preaching in the South, in this old country church on Highway 34, a sharecropper is a person who works and farms and he works alongside of the owner. He gets his rent, he gets his place to stay, and he's paid, but basically what he makes goes to the landowner, Okay. If you read back in the history of farming and stuff in the South, you will find out that sharecropper is a common term that some of us still remember. Amen? So don't, don't crucify the pastor for using an old term that still have relevance today in preaching. He owns the farm and we're helping him sharecropping. That's where we are. Okay, you understand that now? Good. Thank you for letting me use you. We are sharecroppers. And the first point of that is 1 Timothy Six, seven. Now some of you may have a problem with this because you may be already put all your savings in a U-Haul truck and all your tithe money in a U-Haul truck and you have most of your other stuff hidden in the ground and you don't feel like sharing stuff. I want to read you a scripture if you believe the Bible. First Timothy 6-7. You ain't going to like this because this is the first thing about us sharecroppers. We own nothing. Y'all hear that? We own nothing. 1 Timothy 6, 7 says, We have brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out of this world. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow, man. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Can't we take this stuff with us? If we store it up and we save it and we make this big bundle over here, can't we take it into this other land? No. That's why you give your treasure beforehand and your heart follows it. You give your treasure beforehand and your heart follows it. We are sharecroppers. And we need to understand that principle. He's the owner. And the second principle is right underneath that. Romans 8.17. You can look that scripture up. The basic concept is this we share everything. We own nothing, but we share everything. Romans 8 17 says, We are joint heirs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He gave us a piece of the farm, didn't he? He lets us share not his glory, but some of that alongside of him. He alone gets for his glory. But sometimes we can get in there and share that partnership with him and we can feel his presence. We can sense that we're on the same page with him in meetings such as this and in ministries that we're doing. And sometimes there's such an awesome glow on our faces and feelings in our hearts. It's like he's so much in the room and we can see and sense his presence and we feel him and we know him. And it's like he has shared his glory with us. I hope and pray that you know what it feels like to be a joint heir. You're a joint heir. You're grafted in because of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be cast out because you're you're a Jew or because you're from another nation or a different skin color. You don't have to be thrown away because this has been in your life. If you want to be today and you never have been, you can become a joint heir today. You can ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You can say, Lord, I want to repent of my sins and I don't understand all that that preacher's talking about, but I've never given my life to you and how in the world can I talk about you owning everything when you don't even own me? Start with yourself. Become a joint heir by giving your life to him and then work up to the point of sharing possessions and sharing what you have with him. Romans eight seventeen we are joint heirs. And the third and last point of the sharecropper point, what we give to God lasts forever. Matthew 6:19 through 21. turn to that Matthew passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter six, right after the last part of that sermon on the Mount we've been preaching through Matthew 6:19 through 29. It says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth." where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want to talk about the future for just a moment. My wife and I, oh, here goes another hour. My wife and I, not too long ago, it's kind of personal and emotional for me. We got together and we prayed. And uh, my children are okay. um, They're set. They have resources, and they have jobs, and they're all right. My wife and I got together, and we started looking at our stuff, little or big, whatever it is, is what we got. And we started talking about, well, when, when we die and what happens, what do we want to do? And we started talking about educational institutions for um, seminary-type teaching. We started talking about what, what will outlast us. I don't know where you are in your life and where you are with giving in particular, whether you've got a little or you've got a lot. But I pray that whether it be teaching, training, clothes, money, making plans for the day or making plans for after death, that you realize that what you invest in the kingdom lasts forever. That's what you're going to see when you get there. Your spiritual eyes will see what you gave to the Lord. You don't need to look down. You can change that. You don't need to be disappointed about it. You can change that because what you see, according to the Word of God, when you get to heaven, is what you invested in the Lord's Word because everything else is going to burn up with the fire. Everything else is going to be gone. That's why it's so important that we understand this this last principle, what we give to God lasts forever. So here's the invitation this morning. I want you to make a list of everything, of everything and every one of importance to you. Spent some time with my children last week. What a joy. They would be on the top of the list. My wife and I had a little opportunity to go shopping yesterday. I enjoyed a few moments with her. Yes, I enjoy receiving and giving, but I enjoyed a little shopping trip with her. She would be on the top of the list. And I guess even my boats and motors and stuff, I'd put them, that they're, they're of value to me. as part of my hobbies. My church. My church would be right up there with my family and God, the things that are spiritual. My church family, they, they're very important to me. I live like they're important to me. I don't, I don't want confusion and pain and suffering. So they're very important to me. So I want to ask you this morning, make a list in your mind and heart of everything and everyone of importance to you. Can you place it on the altar of your heart first and maybe even here today as a gift to God and saying at the beginning of this series our pastor is preaching, have I really given myself to you? Have you given yourself to him? And how would people know that God owns you? How would people know that God sees that in you? And what do you need to change to see that, that happens? And if you're doing what's right, pray that you would do more of it. And I ask you, for sake of the gospel's sake, do you want to last forever? Or do you want to burn with the fire? And I'm talking about the fires of hell. Oh, that's old timey preaching. I don't care. That's biblical preaching. Because you don't have to wait till you get there. You're experiencing it right now. People see it in you. They can tell it by the tone of your voice, your sarcasm, and your attitude. They can pick it up and they can tell that you don't have his life in you and his love in you. Change it today. I ask you not to go out of here today until you ponder the question. This altar is temporary. It's not going to last forever either. The altar with him lasts forever. But if you have never given him ownership of your life, why not today? Could you change that sign when you go out? Not he owns it, but he owns me. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for an opportunity. Oh, 65-year-old Baptist preacher, boy, I tell you what, you have, you own me. I don't know if you're always thankful for me, and I know I don't always please you. And I have been known to keep that flounder rather than throw him back, but I'm trying my best to be like my daddy on that day when he said, don't shoot that doe deer, we got enough meat in the freezer, we don't need that deer. Wow. It's something about living by the law of your word that sets grace free. I think we've heard, I hear so much TV preaching about grace, 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 but I thank you for the fact that there are some principles we don't compromise. When people get to a place in a church where they feel like living together, lesbianism, homosexuality, anything goes today, that's not the owner of my farm. That's not the owner of this Bible. That is not the owner of the kingdom of heaven. If I stand alone preaching your principles, I will. For Father, I believe that we can tell in our hearts and lives when you own it all. So I pray that we'd see your beauty today. You're the starter, and we're the sharecroppers. Simple message, but I pray that you speak to our hearts as we get into this series on giving. And the foundation is Well, he owns it. Let's start here. In Jesus' name, amen.